Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, the show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 235th episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Hey, moms, the new school year has definitely started. And before we jump into our episode, I wanted to let you know about two opportunities this fall where you can be coached by me in an intimate setting with other amazing moms. I provide you with lots of great information. And I want to translate that to your day-to-day life with your teen or young adult. Basically, I want you to feel better. And if you feel better, you parent better. So here's my question for you. What was your stress level like last year on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest? My guess is that your stress level was somewhere between maybe a 6 to 10. And how do I know that? Well, parenting a teen or young adult, it's stressful. I have lived it. Let me say it another way. It's hard on your nervous system. That amount of stress is hard on your emotions, your heart, your physical body, your energy, and your overall well-being. It's impossible to feel good or enjoy your life with that much stress. I know this not only because I have spent 50,000 hours listening to moms as a licensed family therapist, but I've also been a mom in the trenches with my own daughter, who is now 27. I have lived every word in my book, Dial Down the Drama and Dial Up the Dream, and no, I have not done it perfectly. So why is parenting a teen or young adult stressful? Actually, I don't have to tell you because you live it every day. Everything feels high stakes. And then you have this wild card of a teen, young adult who sometimes complies, but then goes off the rails. You are keenly aware of their future, and then you are met with anger, cynicism, avoidance, procrastination, and an I-don't-care attitude. The combo of you feeling the high stakes for their future and your son or daughter responding with apathy, anger, can set off a firestorm of drama in your house or inside of you, leaving you feeling powerless. So I want to help, and here are two ways that I can. One is my seven-week Power Your Parenting program is starting October 2nd. You get 49 days of lessons directly to your inbox, and you have seven group calls with like-minded moms on Zoom where I can give you individual coaching. And this is for tweens and teens. Two, my six-week Dial of the Dream Book Club Plus is also starting October 2nd. And this is way more than a book club. Yes, we will be diving deep into my best-selling book, Dial Up the Dream, but you will also have six group calls with like-minded moms where we can not only discuss a chapter a week, but you will also have 
personalized coaching. And this is for moms who have 17 to 25-year-olds. Both of these groups are small and intimate so that everyone gets individualized attention. And yes, I make sure that everyone gets their turn. And this is going to fill up. These programs help you apply practical information to your life so that you can experience these results for yourself. I want to dial down the stress so you are clearer, strategic, stronger, and can actually feel like yourself again. I want you to get the most out of these years and have a satisfying, even enjoyable relationship with your son or daughter. I want you to not feel powerless, but powerful, but be able to stand in your power without losing it. I want to help you get your dignity back. Now, today, we're going to talk about teens and sports. What are the top mistakes that parents make and what you can do about it? Dan Blewett is a former professional baseball player, speaker, online entrepreneur, and author of four books. His most recent, This Slump Shall Pass, teaches mental skills to athletes of all sports. A resident of Washington, D.C., his focus is on teaching young people the mental and physical skills they need to have happy, successful sports careers. He reaches athletes, coaches, and parents through his YouTube channels and on social media, where he has 130,000 followers combined across his platforms. In addition to teaching sports skills, Dan uses his wide audience to advocate for play and youth sports reform. Welcome, Dan Blewett. Hi, Colleen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be really helpful. The first question I ask my guests is if you are a parent. Well, I'm not. I am Uncle Dan to two nieces and an awful or an awesome, wow, <laughs> and an awesome <laughs> nephew. He's very precocious. But one of the things I make it a point to do, since I'm not a parent, but I did run the baseball and softball and sports academy for many years, is, you know, I keep in touch with a lot of the kids who are now, you know, in their early 20s. And it's been really cool to see them grow up from, you know, young people, you know, making their way in sports and now transitioning into the real world. And I'm lucky, I think, to play sort of this extra role model role in a lot of their lives that I had as an athlete. And I had a lot of sort of lantern keepers along my journey through youth baseball, high school baseball, college baseball, and then pro baseball. And I realized in my adulthood just how important that is. And so I try to make sure that since I don't have kids yet, and they might be my future, that I still play my role in society, which I think is just caring about someone else's kids. That's not just my own. And I think that's something that I am really proud that that's a piece of my life. It's so important. So you focus on teaching young people the mental and physical skills they need to have to be successful in their sports career. So tell me why that's important to you. Tell me your story. Yeah, so I grew up as a outdoorsy kid until about age eight, and then a switch flipped. And then suddenly it was all about swinging this bat and trying to make contact with this little white baseball. And from age eight, I wanted to play in the backyard every day. And so that's what I did. And baseball was just my life. <laughs> it tells me that I guess it was middle school. I started bringing my own baseball books to our like library sustained silent reading periods. And the librarian was kind of like, well, wait, why are you bringing books 
from outside of school, like I want you to bring stuff. You know, I want you to pick one from the library. And my mom just kind of explained to her, well, Daniel's read every baseball book in the school library. So if you wouldn't mind, he really wants to read about baseball, would you just let him? So she was like, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I just love the game. And I played in high school. I made the varsity team as a sophomore. And then I thought it was really good. And then as a senior, I really didn't have any college prospects. And finally, friends stuck his neck out for me, got a college to come look at me. And they said, you know, we can come. We'll watch you. And when they did, he said, you know, you're not really good enough to kind of play here, but we're going to give you a spot. There's no scholarship money. And that was a real moment for me when my switch flipped. I was always a hard worker at baseball, but it wasn't like hard work because I just was the thing that I loved doing, right? It wasn't working at it. But at that point, I was like, my career is going to end in four years if I don't really start to do whatever these things are that were going to make me better. So when I got to college, I became, you know, I was like in the weight room and I was like, hey, coach, what can I do? Can I do extra workouts? You know, what can I read? What can I eat? And I just became this person who was obsessed with trying to turn pro and trying to also just get playing time because there was, you know, none of that's guaranteed as a college athlete. So then as I rose from essentially the last pitcher on my team to being the number one starter on the team a couple years later, I blew my elbow out got a major elbow surgery called Tommy John surgery for those of you who are in the know about baseball. And that ended my college career. I mean, that was a really tough moment. I blew up my elbow in front of 15 major league scouts in mm. what became my last outing in my career. But I decided I wasn't done. So I found a way to get a spring training invite with a pro team in the independent leagues. I made the team at a spring training. So I had a good first season, made 20 starts and a couple years later, I got voted my first all-star game in pro baseball. And then a couple weeks after that, the vote came down. I learned that I need the second Tommy John surgery, second elbow surgery. Uh. So, yeah, it was one of those things where looking back, it was really a pivotal moment in my life. And I think it's one of those things that sports parents really dread for their kids. It's just like crushing disappointment. And how are they going to come back from it? And my parents later admitted they didn't think I was going to do it, but I did. I signed up for it. I got a second surgery, came back. It was another two arduous years of rehab. And then I got three more years of pro baseball, became an all-star after the second one. And then ultimately, my shoulder ended my career. So I had a really up and down, tumultuous career as an athlete. It wasn't an easy thing. I was really talented as a kid and I loved it. And I was naturally very good. But then I hit this point where it was a very pothole-filled road. And then it became a lot more like work. But one of the things, you know, you and I are going to talk about today is just like, why was I so willing to sign up for all the pain that I went through, like physically and emotionally, dealing with those surgeries, the loneliness of surgical recovery, the very brutal animal that is pro sports. Those things are really hard. And I've learned that the farther I get away from it. There's a lot of things you don't internalize as being difficult while you're going through them necessarily. But as, you know, examining now, as I teach young people mental skills on the web and I teach families how to have better, healthier relationships with sports, looking back at my own career, it's a valid question. Like, why did I sign up for so much pain later on? And I think it's really just because of the backyard baseball and how much I loved it. And a lot of the ways that my parents were involved in my career in a positive way, which we'll talk about. So yeah, today I, I'm a YouTube coach to baseball and softball families everywhere. And I, I'm transitioning a lot of my content to trying to help families more generally have a healthy experience with sports and get the memories that they want out of it. Because I think it's really difficult while you're in it 
to realize what you're going to look back on in the future. And so I've been through that as a player and as someone who owned his own travel organization. And now as someone who interacts with families on the web, I think I have a pretty good perspective to help people uh, to figure that out. That's great. I think it's very difficult for parents to navigate sports with their teens. I mean, I think it could be from one is their teens really, really love it and they want to go pro and are you caring more than your teen? And is it becoming more your thing or is it their thing? What if your teen is maybe not as talented as they kind of need to be and their expectations aren't up to par? And I mean, there's just so many things. What about the teen that just won't even apply themselves, won't put themselves out there and just want to veg and play video games all day long? So there's lots of questions, and I think there's a lot of mistakes that parents can make. And one thing I know is, because I'm a parent, my daughter, I'm going to call dance a sport, but she went to a fine arts school, and so she danced in school three to four hours a day, you know, then plus outside, and then she had some injuries that kind of stopped her dance career. But I know as a parent just of that, like I could see her dancing on Broadway. Your imagination as a parent, you want everything, you know, for your teen. So I know you wrote down some of the mistakes that parents make. So I'm going to say the mistake. And then if you can kind of talk about that and what parents should do instead. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So you said mistake one is falling prey to FOMO and achievement culture. So what do you mean by that? So I think one of the big pressures parents put on themselves and their kids is when they're afraid of essentially missing the bus. And this especially happens young. Like, well, my son and my daughter's 12, and I just want to make sure they work hard so they can get on this team. And then if they get on this team, then they'll have the development opportunities they need to then hopefully become, you know, a varsity athlete or a scholarship athlete in college, a division one athlete, whatever. And so what happens is then they're subject to all the sort of pseudoscience about it and the bleachers, the gossip, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. If you don't do this, your daughter's going to get left behind. And then they, I think, stop focusing on what really the point of sports is. And, you know, my major is my degree in college. I was a double major in philosophy and psychology. And in my philosophy of sport classes, they talk about like literally the word sport comes from the Latin word desporto, which means to carry away. And so sports were named to carry people away from their troubles. It's something you do after mining marble in the quarry all day. You run around and you kick a ball and you laugh and you talk about it and you go to the water cooler and all these things that are also tangential to sports are really important for helping people distract themselves from the hardships of life, right? And unfortunately today, with like the culture in America, we've gotten away from that where we feel like sports is a vehicle to get you to some mountain that we ultimately don't know where the peak is. And so parents are, you know, like you mentioned, you know, with your daughter, it's like, is Broadway actually in her future? And if we start to drive them toward that, well, what if she quits at age 15? Would you do everything different? You know, she doesn't want to dance anymore at that age. And if she did get to Broadway, would that fulfill both of you? I think it's just a really complicated thing. And so, you know, I think parents, especially when their kids are young, they need to relax and just let them play to have fun and not make it achievement-based. And then later on, 
because you know they're going to hit a growth spurt, then another growth spurt. And so, say they love basketball when they're twelve. Well, at fifteen, they're not going to be tall enough to probably play in college. Like, okay. So I'm glad we played a lot of different sports, and it was light and easy when they were young because it wasn't going to work. Basketball wasn't going to work out anyway. So if we had driven them to be an NBA player at that age and made it seem like work, it would have panned out anyway. And so I think the big key when kids are especially like age 15 and under is let it be fun, relax, let them sample different sports, and grow into their body and see what works for them. I completely agree. And what I see, and I wrote about it in my book, Down Down the Drama, is if we look at the brain science of a teen and tween, even young adult, is there are certain things that we can do that really kind of enhance our brains. And there's time that there's going to be a lot of brain growth. So sports are amazing for that. And of course, exercise is good for us. Learning how to work with a team, being coached by someone besides your parent. So many great things that they can get from that. And just like you said, just a stress reliever, being able to let go of stress. And I've seen a lot of kids just drop out of sports because they don't think they're the superstar. And they miss all these great things. Like, it's just fun. Fun hanging out with your guy friends, going to Whataburger afterwards, and just yucking it up. Yeah, and we've somehow lost the idea that sports can just be a thing that we enjoy, like going to the movies. Like, why can't sports be like going to the movies? I don't know. You know, it's a good question. Yeah. So you said mistake number two is pushing kids to work harder. I have seen that a lot in my private practice of frustration for parents because, you know, they kind of want to be great at something and then they're not working at it. And so then the parents get in a big power struggle with their kids about it. Yeah, it's a really big challenge. And, you know, having coached lots of kids over the years and done private lessons with all of them, I was always... Telling parents, like, look, if your kid's not going to go home and practice after we do our $100 per hour lesson, then it's not worth it. And that's okay. They need to have a certain level of like passion for it. And I would say maybe like 10% of kids would go home and work on what we practiced maybe five days a week. Because I can always tell whether they did it or not. I can tell if they did a little bit. I can tell if they worked a lot in practice. And I'm not sure that any parent ever has berated or really pushed their kid into that changing where they're doing it a couple of days a week. I think the parents that were successful in helping, and I know from my own path, like I explained to you, I became a very hard worker, like arguably the hardest worker around in college baseball. When I realized that my career was going to run out, it was going to run dry if I didn't get a lot better. You know, I'm going to never see the mound. I'm going to spend my whole career on the bench because that happens to a lot of athletes when they get to college sports. And I think the best the parents can do is just model it. And I think they can put them in a place to have those moments. I think those are two big things that I put on my social media recently, moments and modeling. And moments are just like I talked about. I had a real moment of an aha moment. I'm not going to get what I want unless I start working harder. And that can come in a lot of different ways. And then I think the modeling is probably one of the easiest things parents can give them is show them how it's done, right? Whether it's maybe something else in your real life, or maybe you just watch The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, or the Derek Cheater documentary, or, you know, one of these powerful women's soccer documentaries. Show them how hard these athletes work. You know, go watch more games together. Get there early so you can see how they do their pregame. 
that's where you get the clues. Like, oh, look how that player warms up. I don't warm up like that. Maybe I should warm up like that. And they mm. get inspired, right? Everyone, I think, who gets to a high place has had a lot of inspirational role models, you know, these athletes on TV. And that's a really healthy thing. And when they get to see behind the scenes a little bit, then that's where maybe the work ethic clicks. I think especially today, kids want to dig in their heels if you're going to tell them what to do. Gen Z especially does not want to be told what to do. They want to be explained why, or they want to see the merits for themselves. Right. What I have seen that's helpful is the kid has to own the motivation. Like you love baseball. So the kid says, yeah, I want to be a starter on this team next year. And then that's great. And then helping them, what they call practical hope is what are those steps that you need to take? Like connecting the dots because their brain development, they don't see that cause and effect. So sometimes they don't really have the hope that if they work at it, they actually are going to get better. Yeah, I can see that. And one of the interesting things is when you see these lineages of athletes, you know, you see it in, you know, the NBA or Major League Baseball, wherever, you see you say, well, why does this family have three generations of Major League baseball player, for example. And it's genetics to an extent, for sure. But it's also, they have role models their whole lives, right? They're watching their dad go to work and play baseball. They're watching their grandfather on TV at old games, watching how he did it. And they're learning the routines and the preparation and the mindset. And they're learning all the roadblocks and the potholes that will be there in front of them. And parents can do all that stuff. They just have to, you know, model that behavior themselves and like you said help them make a plan okay you want to be a college baseball player or a college volleyball player awesome what do you think are the steps and collaborate with something like that with them mm -hmm. and talk them through it and keep them accountable but it can be a fine line when accountability becomes pushing and then it starts to go i think the wrong way yeah all right mistake number three reinforcing asking about statistics performance or outcomes yeah i think when we talk about like the car ride home, right? And what should parents say on the car ride home? This is something that I've written about, something I've made videos about and podcasted about. I think parents, and this is a good exercise, is to really kind of make an inventory of all the adults that your young athlete has in their life and what kind of personality those adults have. So say they have coach A and coach B and coach C and then their strength coach and then you know, their private instructor or whoever, and then their grandfather or grandmother, or mom and dad, write them all down and see what do they give their son or your daughter? You know, for me, along my journey, like I said, I had a lot of what I would call lantern keepers, a lot of father figures along the way who were coaches. And, you know, my father is an amazing man, but all of them gave me different things at different times. One of them was super hard on me, my college strength coach. He really made me tough. And it was super valuable that he was really hard on me. He rode me constantly and I could not ease up for any one day. And I learned so much from him. And then I had a pitching coach in college who was really kind and gentle, would talk me through things, would ask me like, what he gave me was very, very different, but also very, very valuable. So I think as a parent, you have to ask yourself, what role do I fill and what should I be asking and what should I be pushing for? So when you talk about asking about statistics or the performance, is that your role as a parent? Is it to ask them, 
how well did you do? And then talk through it. Of course, you can ask them how well they did and all that stuff. But I think signaling as a parent, first and foremost, that your son or daughter matters, number one to you, that you love them, that it doesn't matter if they had a terrible game, that it doesn't matter if they had a great game, that you're still their son, their daughter, and that you love them no matter what, and their performance is not an indicator of your love for them and whether they're still a member of the family. Because there's a lot of that dynamic out there where kids feel like they drive the car ride home because they had a bad game and mom and dad aren't proud of them anymore and they just sort of feel the distance from their parents. And I think that's really, really sad. And I think the car ride home needs to be this sort of safe place where there's probably a lot of other people giving your kid grief about how they played. Their peers are doing it, their opponents are doing it, and you know, locally, they probably know their opponents and their coaches. And there's a lot of people that are probably hard on them. So maybe your role within this sort of village is to be the one that just unconditionally supports them and is just happy that they had fun and happy they were out there playing and running around and finding something to compliment them on. So what do you think about the parents kind of on the sideline of a game that's yelling at the kid or yelling at the coach or blaming the coach, blaming the other teammates? Yeah, it's really sad and it's pervasive in sports right now. When I had my academy and we had six baseball teams at our peak and three softball teams, we told every parent that we want you to treat games like they're a recital. You know, at, at a play, at a musical, at a whatever concert performance, you're not going to yell out the notes for your kids to, you know, hey, make sure you hit that D minor you know, in the next stanza. <laughs> like, hey, don't forget your lines. Like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I think that's a really healthy way to approach sports is you're out there to cheer and be a supporter. And when your kid looks out in the stands, they see their mom and dad or whoever, and they just are there to do their thing. It can be just as invasive yelling out instructions because now the kid doesn't feel like it's for them, right? They feel like they've got to do their parents' bidding. If they don't do it the way their parent wants to do it, now they're driving the car right home. And as an athlete, one of the most powerful things that I internalize, I don't exactly know when, but there's a saying in pro baseball, definitely, I think it's in other sports, I don't know as much, but there's a saying called, if you don't like it, play better. And when you get into the pro sports world where there's promotions and you might ask yourself, okay, this guy next to me, he got promoted and his statistics are not as good as mine. You know, this is BS. Why does he get promoted and I don't? And the answer is, hey, if you don't like it, play better. You can be so much better than that guy that it's not even close, and then it's you. But when you make it close, you know, maybe there's something you don't know, and whatever, life's not fair. And I think sometimes it's good-natured where they're just trying to help their kids feel better. Like they had a bad game, and like, oh, you know, your coach, you know, he was the reason that you guys lost, or the umpires really screwed you over, trying to make the kid feel better. But a lot of times, it's not this. It's just trying to wash away what was maybe just a bad performance. And so for me, I never blamed umpires. And again, I don't know who instilled this in me, but I'm thankful or whoever it was. But if I missed an umpire, you know, maybe screwed me on a call or my teammate made a mistake, there is always something that I could have done to make that positive for myself, right? Like, okay, so I walked a guy on a 3-2 count, you know, using a baseball example for me as a pitcher. Well, I ran the count full. I could have gotten ahead earlier and put the guy away sooner in the count. And then I would have been in a 3-2 count where the umpire could, you know, decide the at-bat. And there's always stuff like that. So I think as parents, be really careful about blaming the coach, about blaming other players, because you don't want to have 
your son or daughter grow up to be an adult that just passes blame to other people. That's not what you want. And if you want sports to build character, which they, oh man, do they ever, you know, personal responsibility is going to get them really, really far in life. Mm -hmm. I love that about playing better because if you work hard and you see that you have improved in this one area, you may have lost the game, but you see like, I accomplished this and I Mm -hmm. can see that I'm making progress. And that's one of the most powerful things that my parents would do. And they knew that when I was upset after a game, I wouldn't talk. I'm a quiet person. Naturally, I'm more of an introvert. But even when I was like not fuming and didn't want to say anything in the car ride home, my mom or my dad, they would find something. You know, I'd walk six batters, give up five runs. And my dad would be like, man, that curveball you threw to that one hitter, that was, you know, and I'd be like, well, that very inconsequential curveball. <laughs> That thing was so sharp and I would just roll my eyes and not say anything, but like it rattled around in my subconscious and it was just, Hey, my dad's, he's there for me, you know? Yeah. That's so important. All right. Another mistake is, I guess, for the parent to make it your whole life. It makes, I guess. Yeah. I think a lot of parents, they get wrapped up in this travel sports thing, right? Suddenly all your weekends are gone. Suddenly $5,000, $10,000 a year out of your finances is gone. Suddenly you don't get to spend a lot of time with your spouse. Suddenly you don't get to see your own friends as much. You don't get to play the guitar as much. You don't get to do all the things that keep you sane as a parent because you're running around with your kid's sports schedule. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a different era where all of our sports were local. I played on the, the best baseball league in the Baltimore area. And you had to make one of those teams or else you didn't get to play at that level. And I did. But our games were within a 45-minute drive, you know, and there was a level of commitment. But it wasn't, you know, we're going to go spend the weekend in Indiana and the next weekend in South Florida and then the next weekend in Louisiana, whatever, whatever it is now. And look, I ran a travel organization. So I was part of this machine. And I understand how difficult it is. And I think looking back, I think we did it in a pretty good way. There are definitely some things that if I would go back in time, I would do differently. I would make things more local. I would really stress hard to reduce costs even further for parents. But I think as parents, it's okay and you're not a bad parent to say, you know what? We need to prioritize the family and the family is not just little Johnny or little Sally with her soccer aspirations or his football aspirations, but it's also the health of our relationship as parents and the mental sanity of all of us and our financial future and all these things. And I think just to have a a sit down with your family and say, like, what are our boundaries? What are we financially capable of doing? And how can we all have like a great summer? Because as just to use baseball as an example, because that's the world I know the best, to play a rigorous travel baseball or softball schedule, you're giving away 10 weekends out of your summer. And you're going to be in hotels paying for expensive, less healthy food. And that's going to be your whole life for maybe eight years. And that's a lot. And that can really strain marriage. It can strain your finances. And the problem is, it also puts you into this situation where you want to return on your investment. And that's what you want to avoid. Hmm. So if you do want to invest all that time, money as you you parent, there's some many families who really enjoy it. They have a great core parent group that they really get, you know, they're close with the kids. They have great friends. That's all okay. I'm not saying that sports is always this negative thing. It's certainly not. But 
I think it's human nature to say, okay, we're putting five or six or seven or eight grand a year into this. We'd really like to see some payoff, which is, you know, little Sally gets that 50% scholarship. But the reality is that you do the math, you're not going to make that money back. And most athletes, the overwhelming majority are not going to get a scholarship to play in college. And the problem here for a lot of young athletes and parents is the whole, like, I want to go D1 is a false summit. There's a lot of athletes that get to their D1s, they get to their D1 college, and they never play. And they quit in two years. Or they hate their coach. And now it's like, well, I'm locked in here. What do I do? This sucks. Now this whole mountain, this beautiful thing that I was trying to achieve, and we spent all this time striving towards, I actually don't want to be here. And then you start to ask, what was this all for? And that's the point I think you think about, what did we do on this sports journey? Did we love this? Because now that we're here at the end, it's not what we wanted. So let's look back at age 12, 13, 14. What are those memories? Is it a mom and dad pushing me too hard? Is it mom and dad stressing so much and like trying to make ends meet and this being this whole ball of anxiety and now we got here and it wasn't even worth it? So I think as a parent, you really need to assume that the end isn't going to be what you think it is. You know, D1 sports are hard. And if you make it there, your kid might never see the field. They might never play at all. They might quit and they might be miserable. They might also love it. So again, I don't want to go only negative here. Like I loved it, but it was also very hard. And I saw a lot of teammates who never played. And that's heartbreaking to say, oh, I got to my college and I'm going to sit on the bench for the next four years or three years until my coach is kind of like maybe push me out. So I think as a parent, staying present and asking yourself, do we love what we're doing today? Does it serve all of us as a family, not just my son or daughter? Is this going to be good for our marriage, our partnership, our whole family unit as a whole today? If that if the answer is yes, then I think you're doing it the right way. And if the answer is maybe no, then I think you're going to sort of renegotiate the boundaries of what you're doing. Well, as a family therapist, I have heard this a thousand times. If you have one kid, it's hard. But if you have two or three kids and they so are, yeah, they may be doing high school baseball and they're doing club baseball. and They're doing multiple, multiple, multiple things. And so then there can be a lot of bitterness. And then, of course, those earlier years, mom or dad are shuttling the kids everywhere. And so I've heard a lot of moms are just kind of bitter that that's where all their time goes is sitting on the sidelines, it can become a huge problem between mom and dad, who's going to take the kid, it can be a source of bitterness. So I do completely agree that it really does take a strategy to make it all work. It's a big puzzle Yeah, with everyone's schedules. A hundred percent. I don't know how some families get it all done, to be quite honest, when they have two or three kids in sports. It's crazy. And I think you know, it boils down to communication. And I think it is important for a kid to look out in the bleachers and see their mom or dad or whoever. But I think also if you have a sit down and say, look, we love you and we support you. We just want you to know that we're not going to be at every game because we have some things that as your mom or as your dad, that we need to do to be happy too. And I think it's also important to remember that it takes some pressure off your son or daughter when you're not there sometimes. Well, that's true. You know, it does. And it's like, hey, I can go for four today or I can miss every jump shot that I take. And when mom or dad asked me how 
I did today, I can talk whatever I want. And you just sometimes play a little looser when no one's there watching. And that's, I think, can be healthy. But as a parent, if you just communicate that your lack of presence at the game does not mean that you don't care, then I think everyone can be on the same page about saying, hey, mom really needs to spend this Saturday painting and catching up on some other stuff that's important to her and maybe having coffee with a friend and just decompressing. I think kids are smarter and I think they'll get that if we have that conversation. Mm, That is so important because I think the moms who are the most bitter are the ones who feel so obligated. Like I have to go to every game and exactly what you're saying. If you have a conversation with your kid, they might say, look, that's great. They may be really happy about it. Yeah, I think the pressure that we put on ourselves, and I see this with my sister, who's a wonderful mom, and she has three kids under five. And I'm like, Andy, you're an amazing mom. All these things that you're stressing about, they're not things that anyone but you is judging yourself about. Like, you're doing great. And there's this list that we make up to say, am I the best parent or the best coach? All these things. You can always look around and compare yourself to someone else. But then you never see what's behind the curtains anyway, you know? You can't do it all. And I think I'm giving you permission as someone who's been to a lot of baseball games and met with a lot of baseball (laughs) families and sports families. I'm giving you permission to not go to every game and don't feel upset about it and just have the conversation. You know, we love you. We want to be there. We support you. And we also just want to give you some space and we need to do some things to keep us happy. Does that make sense? They're going to say yes. And yeah, like you said, they probably won't even care. Like, whatever, I'll be with my friends. It's fine. Just drop drop me off. Oh, I think there's a lot of moms listening today are going, yes, yes. All right. So I'm going to ask you this question. And I know this is a big question, but just whatever thoughts you have about it, I would love to hear it. So coaches are kind of labeled good coach, bad coach all the time. But I guess, is there situations where a coach really can be toxic and not helpful to a kid? Yeah, I think, number one, you will learn something from every coach. And so I think today's parents sometimes are too eager to run away from a team and quit and go to do another one. Your kids are going to have to deal with difficult people throughout their lives. And I think this is a good time to deal with that when they're young at at times. Now, I think when you get to abuse, that's where, and just like, I mean, verbal abuse, which is how could you be that stupid to do that thing on the soccer field? Like you made that play. You know, just like when it becomes name calling and just really rough negativity, I think that is probably time to look for a new team. But I think a lot of young people and I think a lot of parents today also, they don't draw a good line between a coach being tough on them and being abusive. The line between verbal abuse and being tough, I think, is poorly understood today. Like I said, with my coach in college, my strength coach, We were close friends. He always had my back. He was hard on me. He didn't call me stupid. He didn't degrade me in any way, but he was on me. If I made a mistake, he was on me. He was correcting me. He used a loud yelling voice. That was what coaching was. And that was okay. But he never was degrading. He was always there to correct. But in a chaotic environment where there's a lot of athletes running around doing a lot of stuff, it's not always where you can pull them aside and you know, gently talk through it and explain every motivation you have as a coach. So a lot of times it's just, hey, this is the way it is. So to answer your question, you learn something from every coach. And sometimes it's learning how to deal with difficult people. 
And sometimes it's, it's learning how to advocate for yourself. And I think as parents, once your kid is 12 or older, there's a lot more difficult conversations they can have with a coach than you give your kid credit for. And when it comes to playing time, and this is something we told our parents, if your kid has a question about playing time or their role in the team or they don't like something, I want to hear from them. They can come talk to me and say, hey, coach, how come I'm not playing this position? Or, hey, coach, how come I'm not pitching as much as I used to? And we'll have that conversation. And that's a really important life skill. And it doesn't always need to come from the parent. I think it needs to come from the parent when it becomes a bullying situation where you really can kind of feel that if this kid goes and talks to his coach, he's going to get railroaded. He's not going to be listened to. And it's going to be that same sort of bullying dynamic. But if it's just the run of the mill stuff, let your kid try to have the conversation first. And those are really the big moments dealing with the difficult ones where they're going to grow as people. Right. So I know you have an end story for us. Yeah. You know, my career, and I was a kid who, you know, I just love baseball so much. And like I said, I was really willing to suffer for it. And my two elbow surgeries were difficult, to say the least. And the way my career came to an end was difficult. I was at my peak. I thought that like the Diamondbacks, one of the major league teams were maybe going to sign me, put me in their organization, and I was going to get my chance at the, the major leagues towards the end. And it all unraveled as my shoulder became worse and worse. I had shoulder pain my last season and my performance slipped. And I just sort of started seeing the whole shit start to sink. And on what I didn't know was the last day of my career, my parents were there in attendance. I pitched the last inning. It's the ninth in a eight to one game that we won. So it was like an on it. They put me out there because I'd been doing so poorly that I couldn't possibly screw up an eight to one game. So they got an inning out of me when it didn't really matter, which I knew. And I knew that after that game, I was probably, when we drove home to Long Island, New York, when we got off the bus, everyone puts their stuff away. I was going to put my stuff in my locker and then I'd get called in the coach's office and get cut from the team essentially. And that is what happened. But before I got on that bus, my mom and dad had, driven down to Southern Maryland and watched the game. And they saw me close, you know, this game out. And a bunch of kids came over and asked for my autographs. So I just signed autographs for about five minutes while my mom just sort of beamed through me. And even as a 31-year-old who'd been through a lot, who was tough, it was just such a, I think, encapsulating moment of what my parents gave me as an athlete, which was unconditional support, they were there a lot. And even on that day, my dad made some comment about a curveball I threw that mm. had like no consequence to the game. Mm. So in a lot of ways, the way my career ended was the way it started. And I'm really mm. thankful for that. And even now you can tell it's hard for me to talk about that because it was such a hard journey and something I love so much. And getting to share that with them and realizing how important the parent's role is, even for a grown, grizzled, sort of battle-hardened athlete. Like, you never get past your parents loving you and being there for you. That's beautiful. Very powerful. So do you have any last advice for my moms? Yeah. You know, I think one of the really cool dynamics with a lot of the sports moms specifically were the ones who weren't afraid to find a way into their son or daughter's practice. And I think a lot of times sports moms abdicate a lot of that to the father, if that's your relationship dynamic. 
obviously there's a lot of different relationships, so I don't want to make this only a mother-father dynamic, but as a sports mom, especially if you have a boy, don't be afraid to sit down and talk to them and say, hey, I'd love to help you practice. Can I come put baseballs on the tee? Can I come rebound for you and so you can get more shots if you're playing basketball? Can I come, you know, gather up golf balls? Can I come, you know, Fiji balls on the soccer field? Whatever it is. You know, I was walking down, I live in Washington, D.C. I was walking down the National Mall a couple of weeks ago and I saw a mom throwing a football with her son. And it's clear she didn't have good throwing skills, right? But it just watched and it just made me smile thinking that I don't know who else that young man has in his life, but he's got a mom who's out there trying her best to be there because he clearly loves sports. And she couldn't throw the ball that far, but she was out there doing it. And I know that's important. So if you feel this pressure that you can't find your way in because maybe you didn't play football, maybe you didn't play basketball, whatever it is, or maybe the father, if there's a father or a grandfather or someone who sort of takes more of the sports stuff, find your way, talk to your kid, find a way to practice with them and be a part of it. Because like I said, when the sports journey is done, it's not going to matter how much they achieved. The D1 label is not going to be very important. None of those things are really going to matter. What's going to matter are the memories that you had with your son or daughter and the quality time you spent with them. So as a mom, go get more of that quality time with them. Whatever it looks like, go out there, practice, have fun, and just enjoy the time out there, moving your body and being with your kid. I love that. I have a client and she was divorced probably when her son was in middle school, early middle school. And every day they'd go out in the backyard, they'd throw the baseball and catch it. And that was such a great bonding time for them. And, you know, probably she wasn't that great. And she probably still does that. And her son's in high school now, but they did it together. And so I love that you're encouraging moms to do that. Yeah, that's a great story. And it's just so important because again, the memories and the togetherness are what you're going to take from sports, not the achievement, not the medals not the labels that you earn. It's going to be the, the time together. Yeah. When I'm talking to my parents, I always encourage them to have at least 20 minutes a day where you're not up to anything, but you're just being present because that's what connects you. So like you were talking earlier about how throwing the baseball could be something that actually can be something that de-stresses you. Yeah. So there you are have creating this experience with your son, just throwing that baseball back and forth or your daughter with soccer or whatever, and you're de-stressing with them and you're creating this wonderful memory that doesn't have anything to do with pick up the towels off the bathroom floor. Yeah, or being in front of a screen because I right. think everyone's desperate to get outside, move your body. And I think a lot of times we only count that kind of stuff as if we're doing exercise, right? If we're going to the gym, we're on the treadmill or the elliptical or lifting weights. As an ex-athlete, I've been volunteering for a local nonprofit that does play. We just put on play events. And just getting out in the backyard with your son or daughter and playing for 20 minutes, even though it's not going to burn a million calories. I mean, maybe it does if you're running around a lot, but you can't overestimate the amount of value that has for how you feel. Just connecting with the earth, connecting with other people, moving your body, just mentally and physically, just getting out there and playing is just so important. I completely agree. So now you've written four books. 
You want to tell my moms about that? Yeah, most of them are baseball themed. My most recent one is not. I've written one called Dear Baseball Gods. That's my memoir, my story. So if you need a moment for your kid, if they're a reader or an audiobook listener, to be inspired, you know, that's a good one. My, I have a pitching manual called Pitching Isn't Complicated. So if, again, if you want to learn skills and help your son or daughter, if they're throwing or pitching, that's a good one for them. My third book is called Clean Your Cleats. And that's sort of all the baseball and life advice I would give to a young athlete. That one's also an audiobook something you can listen to on the car rides. And then my most recent is a highly visual book for today's sort of short attention span teen. And I mean, adult as well, we're all short attention span, I think these days, but it's called This Slump Shall Pass. And it's a mental skills book for athletes of all sports and all ages. It's certainly not a a children's book. I'd say the average age, uh, just like 12 and up is a really good age for it. But it's illustrated sort of like a PowerPoint, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of graphics to go along with a sort of easier to read lower text kind of book, which, you know, my goal was mental skills and mental health. It's much more talked about today than ever, which is amazing. But a lot of the resources are still not out there for kids besides video formats. And they're not going to pick up a 200 page book of, you know, it's a wall of words. So I wanted to write something that was accessible, easy to read, graphical that they could go back to and learn sort of more in like a bullet point kind of way, the things they need to internalize about sports and some of the lessons they can learn that will help them on their journey. So if your kid is an athlete, I think this emotional pass is a great place to start with helping them with their confidence, their routines, their professionalism, their mindset, all that stuff. That's great. So if moms want to connect with you, where can they connect with you? I'm just a Google away, Dan Blewett. My website, danblewett.com. The softball website is snapsoftball.com. But really, if you just Google me, you'll find me everywhere. I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok. I post a lot of content about sports families, about mental skills, baseball, softball, all this stuff. And there's a big blend of all of it, but I'm not just baseball and softball. And if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email through my website. I respond to 99% of them and I'd love to hear from you. That's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been really helpful. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's great, great chatting with you. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, and that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.